Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Continue. Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are live coast to coast and border to border on iHeartRadio today. Also, AMFM247.com. Get a hold of us online at J-I-G-G-Y-J-G-U-A-R.com. We are going to go to our next guest, who is a very talented author, and we will get to him on the telephone here in just a few seconds. But we want to tell you about our latest marketing partner. Yes, indeed, Joe Cotton. He beats the pros at picking the stocks. That's right. You can get more information at cottonstocks.net. He beats the pros at picking the stocks. He won the 2012 Dick Davis Dividend Stock Picking Contest. He had a one-year return of 97% for his pick of MPC, and that's Marathon Petroleum. Some of Joe's picks double in two months, like Viking Therapeutics, VKTX. But not all of his picks go up, but most of them do, and some, like Tandem Diabetes, picked at 575 on 41918, went up, 804% to $52 in just six months. You can get more information at cottonstocks.net. Get the newsletter. Joe's Market Newsletter is available. 48 issues. Emailed each and every Monday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern, before the market opens. And each issue contains a market assessment, five to seven stock picks with charts for each pick, and with trend lines drawn by Joe himself one of the finest market technicians in the nation. You can buy his fabulous money-making one-year subscription for only $199. And it comes with a risk-free 30-day, 100% money-back guarantee. For a one-year subscription, check out cottonstocks.net. For more information, that's cottonstocks.net. Let's go to our next guest. He is going to join us today. Here on our big program. Charles will be with us here in just a few moments. Charles Demokas. Hello? Charles, how are you? It's James giving you a call for your interview. How are you, my friend? Oh, wow. Real real great. How are you? How are <laughs> Pretty you, good, friend? actually. I am uh, terribly excited to chat with you today. How, how have you been uh, recently, my friend? How are you? Well, I've been doing great, uh, and uh, uh, actually, I just got back from Los Angeles. I'm back on the East Coast, and uh, you know, I had my book out there with a couple of the librarians who I, uh, you know, had involved with helping me with the book. But so that's what I'm doing, and. Uh, uh, let me know. Are, are we on the air? Yeah, or? we are. We are. I oh, just wow. I just decided to give you a holler, my friend. I am really oh, excited God, to. Uh, I'm really excited to chat with you today. We have well, got. A... Let me do one thing first. Yes, I give yes, a yes, yes. Special thanks 
for having me on the show. And also a special thanks and shout out to Erwin Zucker. Oh, I'll relations. tell you, Erwin is the man. He is. Uh, he is I. The man. He. he <laughs> Charles. I'm going to share something with you. Yes, uh, go ahead, my friend. You may not know your uh, audience may not know. I was actually on staff at Erwin Zucker's PR firm way back when I was in high school. That is and tremendous. Er- that is tremendous. Erwin was the greatest then, and. He was so helpful to all the authors, and I'm so grateful for him, for everything he's done, Uh, not just for me, but for many authors to get them noticed on your show. So I'm grateful to him and to you. So thank you, Erwin, and thank you, James. Yes, Erwin is uh, this guy, you know, every once in a while he'll he'll tell me his age, and I'm like, I can't believe you're that old, my friend, because you're you're busier now than you've ever been. Well, he is, and he's more enthusiastic than ever. Yes! And he's he's more helpful. I mean, he couldn't be more helpful to all of us, all of us authors and other uh, people who he helps. Uh, He actually was helpful in other ways, and, uh, you know, I I don't want to digress, but uh, anyway, he's an amazing human being and a great person and a humanitarian and a great PR person. Yes, very great PR guy. What was it like working in the office with Irwin back in the day? I bet that (laughs) was... for one thing, it was high energy. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And I was in high school. I was probably 17 at the time. So yeah. uh, keeping up with Irwin was definitely uh, a major <laughs> challenge. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of amazing clients. Uh, I remember there were uh, some book clients from back east. Uh, um, one was a, a gentleman who wrote a book about Chautauqua, New York, and that I recall. There was a fairly big uh, book from New York. Uh, and also, the other thing Irwin had at that time, I hope you won't mind me revealing this, uh, <laughs> is that uh, we were a, a PR firm not just for authors, but also for our recording companies and, and artists wow. on recording labels. And uh, one of my fun jobs was uh, taking, I guess I must have been old enough to drive, because that was one of my jobs, is when recording artists came to town, I'd take them around to uh, you know, either the uh, disc jockeys with the records or down to a place which I guess is no longer in L.A., called P.O.P., Pacific Ocean Park. And that's where they had an outdoor um, stadium or an outdoor uh, place to play, and uh, we had a lot of really neat people uh, there, Everly Brothers, uh, and Margaret, um, Bobby V. I, I don't know, you know. There, wow, there were a lot of you people. had some, you had some big deals. Well, I didn't have the big deal at the Irwin. I was just actually, I wasn't even the assistant. I was the assistant to the assistant, and so I got to, you know, kind of tag along and try to make all these people happy and it was a lot of fun what can i say <laughs> that is tremendous so so charles you 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 have a just an outstanding book here oh uh, thank you talk to us a little bit about the writing process for your book here oh sure um well uh the writing process for me uh usually involves well it's uh 
it starts off with handwriting. So I start off with yellow legal pads and just handwrite out the story as best as I can. And it may or may not make any sense. But <laughs> as I rewrite it and then put it into the computer and start writing the story as a real story, little by little I try to uh, sort of even out all the rough edges to make it make some sense and eventually go from uh, a beginning to a middle to an end, although not necessarily in that order, as somebody once said. Uh, so that's kind of my writing process. There are other people who have different processes. You know, they have outlines or they have a, a short version and then make it into a longer version. I don't do that. I try to get into the actual scene itself. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, where, how, how often do you you know, write? Do, do you write every day when you're working on a project? At, how does this work? I, I try to because I'm not the fastest person in, in the universe. I'm probably not the slowest because I, I worked in TV for a while uh, rewriting scripts. And so you can't be too slow. You have to at least be pretty fast. Uh, but not, you know, not super fast. And I definitely wasn't super fast when I rewrote for other people. Uh, so I try to write at least a couple of hours each day, which is my actual writing. The, that doesn't take into account any research, rewriting, um, you know, things like that. Or sometimes I try to bring people in, like for this book, since it dealt very specifically with probate law, which is, um, the law field related to uh, people passing away and what happens to their will and their property and, of course, all the people who they leave behind who are trying to sort all this out. Um, I did do research in terms of consulting with various, maybe three attorneys who know a lot more about this than I did. So we have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast. What interested you to write about a probate attorney? Because this is uh, this is something I, I would not expect anyone to go, hey, I need to put a book out about this. Exactly. That's probably why I did it. Because, um, you know, I love suspense and mystery type books. Not so much thriller type books. I mean, I, I don't really want to hold book of gore, but I, I love suspense and trying to figure out uh, who the bad guys are and uh, how, how to get them. Well, probate law was an area that at least when I looked into it, there was no such suspense or murder mystery type book in that field. And I thought, well, this could be interesting because after all, the field does deal with death. And um, I developed this idea about well, two ideas that I kind of tried to bring into the book. One is that it's not only about the death of the person who dies, but it's also about the murder or, you know, unseemly death of people involved with the field itself, including possibly the main character. So there's death all around. Second of all, I tried to bring in, and this is based pretty much on my experience, at least in Los Angeles, that a lot of people who um, are in fields such as the legal field or the more mundane aspects of it, like probate law or family law or something like that, uh, they started out with some 
uh, artistic background. And somewhere in midlife, you know, they realized that they needed something a little more stable and, um, you know, went into the legal field, either as attorneys or as attorney assistants. In, in this case, I decided to make the main character, Charlie Tobias, an opera singer when he was growing up. And the reason for that being that it seems to me that's like one of the areas where you really, at least in the United States, you really can't make a living or much of a living doing that. And at some point you get into a bind as to how to continue this if you want to uh, basically, you know, not totally be on the edge all the time. So I think those were the two ideas I had for the book. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. So doesn't a probate attorney always deal with people who die uh, and their wishes and who gets their properties? How is Charlie's situation any different, my friend? Well, he he is a, a, a pretty good probate attorney. I mean, he, he's on staff. He's the specialist who actually knows something about this. So in that sense, it's not different. But what's different is that the kind of cases he gets uh, to work on are the lowliest type cases, and the people are, shall we say, a little bit sketchy. And the biggest case of all that he has, the person involved with it who represents the law firm, because he can't represent the law firm, and obviously the person it's about is dead, so you have to find someone called an administrator. And he finds a very uh, dapper fellow to be the administrator who's very well thought of. And one of the things you need to do is have the court believe in you and trust you, and you have to put up a bond, which is you know, a considerable amount of money, so the court figures you're not going to run off with anything. He finds a gentleman, and uh, without giving too much away, this gentleman is uh, murdered very quickly, and he's murdered in a way that is very close to home for Charlie, which makes him afraid not just for his other clients, but also for himself. So that's how his situation is different. As far as I know, most probate attorneys, um, you know, they don't quite have administrators and clients murdered uh, near their own um uh, place of living or, you know, their own home. Uh, However, being an attorney in a lot of fields is somewhat dangerous. Uh, I know there have been stories in real life where there were people who would just show up at court and start shooting at attorneys. (laughs) There was was a great video, and people thought it was funny, but (laughs) certainly I'm sure the person involved didn't think it was funny, where uh, the attorney was walking across to court, and this mad guy just comes out with a gun and starts shooting at him. Holy the attorney smokes. Is racing from tree to tree, trying, hiding behind the tree. So that definitely made number one on the evening news. So there is a certain element of danger, uh, not just in you know representing, let's say, mafioso-type folks, but also in many other areas of law, because there's a lot at stake. We've got a great guest with us today. Charles Demokas is with us. He is amazing, and he is available online, uh, charlesdemokasauthor.com, and uh, also blackrosewriting.com. And uh, you, you've been doing all sorts of different things with you. 
uh, and with this book. How does how does this book that you've currently got out there compare to some of the other stuff you've written in the past? Well, as I say, I have had jobs writing or rewriting suspense uh, stories for other folks, but um, most of these are meant for television or some for theater. So in a sense, you are writing a more external action-oriented type situation. And I think what makes this a little bit different, uh, and even different from some of the uh, books like the, I don't want to name specific names, but some of the best-selling murder mystery books today, is that those are more procedural in terms of their orientation. And this one is more emotional in its orientation, where the emotion is the attorney's emotion as he relates to the clients. Because one of the things Charlie realizes coming into the field of law in middle age is he starts out as a day job. Hey, you know, I, I, I can make a much better living at this than trying to run around Southern California trying to get a chorus singing job now and then. But what he doesn't realize is that you get an emotional involvement with your clients, especially if they're in danger. And the danger can be physical, as in this case, but it, it can also be, hey, uh, you know, my kids are they're owed all this and they're going to lose out. Uh, they're going to be out on the street or they won't get what their father really wanted them to get. And, um, you know, so I have to do something about that. Or, you know, And the attorney gets involved with that, and that's where... Charlie has to kind of wind his way and feel his way through the proper relationship between not getting totally um, discouraged or uh, dismayed when something bad happens to his client, but also, you know, still maintaining the fight and trying to figure out clever ways to overcome the opponents, especially opponents who in this fictional story are willing to resort to well, I won't say, but, you know, let's say beyond legal means. Yes. Charles Demokas with us today. He joins us live here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, the BGE radio network out of Atlanta, GEA. Buildgrowandenjoy.com. So what is the emotional pull that keeps Charlie attached to his clients, Charles? Well, little by little, at, at first, as I say, he's just, you know, doing this as a job. But little by little he realizes that there is some method to this idea of being an attorney other than just going through the procedures that the legal system demands. And the method is that he is trying to fight for justice. He's trying to fight for clients who, for the most part, and I think this is true from what I've seen in my research and talking with attorneys, um, in small firms such as Charlie's firms. One of the reviews I got, which I thought was very charming, is that this is not a real law firm like you see in TV. This is a raggle, taggle bunch of folks trying to uh, keep their law firm alive. And I think that's true, that for most average people, they go to law firms, which are very modest uh, places, because basically these are small situations where the law firm itself has to put up a certain amount of money or finances to keep things going. I'm sure everyone's heard, you know, oh, don't don't pay a penny now unless you win. Well, someone's got to keep the place going, and especially in the era that 
uh, I'm writing about, which is the basically the big recession, the 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, that kind of time frame, everything fell apart in, well, in the entire country and probably the entire world. And so um, folks like Charlie were constantly being laid off, but the law firms themselves that they worked for were these kind of very small places, which were also in danger of closing their shop. And so it's, it's also um, that kind of a stress that uh, gets to you where you feel you have to kind of persevere and make the best of it so your clients, some of them who may be homeless, uh, will get a break and a fresh start. Fantastic. It is a great guest with us today. Charles Demokas is with us. He joins us live here in the broadcast. Check out charlesdemokasauthor.com. So what is unique about Los Angeles as a backdrop to a crime story, my friend? Break this down for us. Okay, sure. Um, I, well, I thought about that. I think there are a couple of things. I, I think a lot of people observe that it has certain unique qualities. I mean, you can go back and, you know, I can name things like Day of the Locust by Nathaniel West, where there's a sense that there's kind of an air of doom um, about the entire city. And some of it has to do with a lot of the fantasy that is uh, delivered in the dreams of the folks who come there to create their own life in the entertainment business. But also beyond that, so there's that, but the second part of it, I think, is just the layout of the city. Unlike, um, let's say, New York or Chicago or other major cities, Los Angeles is a car culture type place. It's dependent on uh, the cars for people to get around, which has two points to it. One is that, on the one hand, you're kind of isolated from everyone else uh, for a lot of the day. But the other part is that you can get around a lot of places you couldn't get around otherwise. Um, so for Charlie, this creates a unique crime situation. I mean, first of all, again, without giving things away, Charlie has to have a little place in town to be able to go to all the courts because he can't afford to live where all the action is. See, he and his wife barely can afford the suburbs, which means it's an hour and a half or more drive from there to the downtown courts or to courts even further away. So he has to have a little room uh, near the center of town. And that helps create a climate where things are unsettled and bad things can happen without um, other people knowing about it. And he becomes more vulnerable because that is a place where he goes at night and folks who maybe shouldn't know that he's there or his clients are there uh, can do something that's beyond the legal limits. It is Charles Demokas. He's with us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, the BGE Radio Network out of Atlanta, GA. It's buildgrowandenjoy.com. CharlesDemokasAuthor.com is the official website. So how does the diverse culture of Los Angeles uh, with the melting pot play into this story, my friend? Well, I think these days the entire U.S. is a melting pot, but certainly some places like L.A. are even more of a melting pot, and the local court system has to kind of adjust to that or has to deal with that. And in Charlie's case, um, the, his main client has 
basically some rental properties which um, are in total disarray and about to go bankrupt. And I'm not going to give too much away, but they're inhabited by refugees from uh, Southeast Asia who have their own culture. And Charlie at least is clever enough or smart enough to know that he has to adapt or relate to them taking their culture into account rather than trying to be very authoritarian as the court administrator has been who's gotten rejected by all the folks living there and um, basically has brought the entire case to a standstill. So by him being a little bit more flexible, uh, he's able to adjust to folks who have a different background and thereby come up with better solutions. Charles Demokas with us today. CharlesDemokasAuthor.com is the official website. So how does the 2007-2008 financial collapse play into your story, Charles? Well, uh, for one thing, I think it's kind of fun writing about times when, you know, things kind of fall apart. And certainly um, in 2006, seven to or 11, things were not good financially for most of us, shall we say. Uh, but you have to keep in mind that the folks who, let's say, uh, go for legal help um, usually have a problem to begin with, because if they wouldn't have a problem to begin with, they may not need legal help. So they go to law for help, but in the 2007 to 11 times, they were more down and out or more on edge than they would be even in normal times. And that creates a lot of stress. And it also creates um, adversity and uh, hostility from other players who will stoop to any level that uh, they feel is necessary to win. Folks like Charlie and his little law firm, they play by the rules. You know, they, they're very clever and they work real hard, but they stop at a certain point. In the case of that story, the law firms, which are actually um, considered the big-time law firms downtown, who represent not only insurance companies but all the big corporate players in California or anywhere, uh, you know, they're shown not to play by the rules. And that becomes much more so in a time like 2007 to 11, when those players themselves uh, are under stress from their big-time clients who basically they, they won't take anything other than winning, no matter what it takes. And what it takes is what this book is about and how Charlie and his client deal with it. Charles Demokas with us today. He joins us live here on our big program. So, Charles, as we wrap up with you, my friend, how do we get in touch with you online, social media, websites, buy your book, everything? Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, and thank you again for having me on, and thanks again to Erwin Zucker yes. uh, for uh, having me on your show and having other authors on your excellent show. Uh, for me, the best way to get a hold of my book 
uh, which recently was a finalist in the Maxi Award prizes. That was last month. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, has, has gotten good reviews from uh, reviewers, uh, is to go to probably Amazon or Kindle.com. Amazon.com, and you put in either Walking with the Dead or Walking with the Dead, Charles Domokos, C-H-A-R-L-E-S, last name Domokos, D-O-M-O-K-O-S, and see what pops up there. And you, hopefully my cover will pop up with some <laughs> reviews and a little blurb on it. And you can either buy the book through that, or you can certainly also buy it through the uh, blackrosewriting.com website. Uh, my, my website is really more about me and about the book and other writings I've done. It's not specifically trying to sell the book. But the book is also available for uh, less cost on Kindle.com, on the Amazon Kindle format, and it's in, in, in the e-format. It's not a soft cover that you, know, you get in the mail and then you have on your own. Uh, so those are the two ways to get the book, either primarily through Amazon dot com or through kindle fantastic well charles and you... if i may yes, add as a go last ahead, thing, my friend. if you're a member of kindle and i know a lot of people are you can get the book without cost and oh really i've had i've had the publisher offer a day for non-kindle members when they could you know uh get it without cost but but that's kind of you know i can't promise that that's going to happen again yeah. i have nothing to say yeah. what the publisher does but anyway that that did that did generate a lot of interest in the book when they did that last november so hopefully they'll do it again but even if you are a member of uh, there's no cost so thank you very much for having me on Yes, definitely. My next guest is calling, Charles. I, I appreciate okay. it, my friend. Sandra, give me a few seconds here. We are wrapping up here with Charles Demokas, and we will see you next time here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.